VoiceAmerica.com. Eddie George Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and welcome to Radio by George with your host, NFL superstar, Eddie George. For the next hour, Eddie and his guests will enlighten, empower, and entertain you. Now here's the man of the hour, Eddie George. Check it. Check it. One, two. Yeah. A one, two. And a, uh, and you don't stop. Yeah, I thought I was about to rhyme, didn't you? <laughs> Welcome to another great show, great edition of Radio by George. I'm your host, Eddie George, and happy uh, 9th of uh, September. September the 17th, 2007. Next week, this time, your boy will be turning the big 3-4. Man, it's getting, getting old, man. I used to look forward to these days, but shoot... Time is flying, the boys are getting big, and let me know how, just how old I am. But we have a great show for you today. Um, hoping everybody had a wonderful and blessed weekend, and I'm hoping your Mondays are going well. And uh, if anytime you want to chime in on a conversation or comment or anything you want to do is ask me a question, call in at 866-472-5787. That should be on your screen. If you got the screen up, if you're working, which you should be doing, you're listening to me, just... Listen to the numbers. But anyway, moving right along, give you the brief update of my life, what's been going on. Had a great weekend. Had a chance to finally chill back. Didn't travel too much this weekend. Only went out to Denver to do the show on Fox Sports Net. Hopefully you guys checked that out. We had some good reviews this week. Good, good, good week on the show. Uh, First up, Ohio State, as usual. On a great path. I'm not too excited about our schedule. You know, wins against Akron and Youngstown State. You know, went out to Washington. Uh, it was a yawn. That's exactly what it was. They play Northwestern next week, which is another given win over the Big Ten. So I'm excited. My Buckeyes won eighth in the country. And congratulations to any Michigan fans out there. Finally, hey, you guys know how to win a game. You found a way. Oh, you know, as bad as I I feel bad for Michigan fans, I mean, you know, it's good when you guys lose, but out of conference, no. I mean, you guys were supposed to be the powerhouse uh, for the national championship, but, hey, that's how the cookie crumbles. Right along to the pro football weekend, um, if you guys are Cleveland, there are Cleveland fans out there, my goodness, that was a great game to watch. I mean, that was incredible. What, almost 90-something total points out of Cleveland? Woo, man. It's shaping up nice. And how about the New England Patriots? Gosh, all that hype, all that oh, espionage, this, and, hey, Belichick, should they take away his rings? And, no, good morning. How about we just beat up on the best team in the NFL considered by some San Diego? Decisively at home. Randy Moss, good morning. Hello, New England. Hello. New England is the real deal. They don't need uh, to cheat. But I will say this. Last week on PFP, in case you guys missed it, we were talking about Bill Belichick and cheating. And uh, Goodell was on NBC last night, and he said that basically 
he felt like Belichick got exactly what he deserved. That it was a, it was a stern, um, it was definitely a stern rebuttal that he had put down on him. And basically, by losing the draft choices, the fines, found 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 the find the team and find uh, Belichick five hundred thousand dollars was good enough. My opinion is that it was a slap on the hand. Here it is. Goodell had the opportunity to lay the law down on one of the most recognizable franchises and head coach in the NFL, and he didn't do that. But yet, he's quick to be very forceful and blunt with Pac-Man Jones and some of the other athletes that have stepped out of line during the offseason and given heavy, heavy penalties to send a message. But he really didn't send a message when he had the chance to do that with the head coach. I mean, okay, you lose some draft choices. This team is going to play in the playoffs, okay? And at that particular time, you're not getting a guy that's going to change your franchise. You're getting some filling guys. So it's really not going to hurt the New England Patriots in the end. So I, I really didn't agree with that. I thought, I thought he, he laid off a little bit. He really did. He, he was soft on the New England Patriots. But anyway, great weekend. The Titans ah, almost, almost pulled a big one upset over the, the Indianapolis Colts. I tell you, man, New England and, and, and the Indianapolis are by far the strongest head and shoulders above the rest of the league. And moving right along, we're going to get a quick update from Jeff Carr, who is going to give us an update on Genesis 6. Je- Jeff Carr, are you there with me? Brother Eddie George. What's up, man? What's going on, Chief? Hey, man, I'm glad to be here once again on Radio by George, and also glad to be able to chime in with the update on what's happening out in the news today and mm-hmm. of course the big thing in the nation now on the radar is what's going on with the Jenna 6 in Jenna, Louisiana and that story of course is, has been something that we followed here at Radio by George and a lot of people have followed uh, and it seemed, seemed to come out of nowhere but it's now on the front burner mm-hmm. uh, the six young men uh, who were charged in a school fight that took place uh, a year ago in September, uh, Bryant Purvis, Jesse Beard, Carwin Jones, Theodore Shaw, mm-hmm. Robert Bailey Jr., and Michael Bell, who are now known as the Jenna Six, who all faced uh, some pretty stiff charges from the uh, district attorney there in Jenna, Reed Walters, who basically was heard saying after the school fight took place a year ago that I could end your lives with the stroke of a pen. Mm. So uh, that's kind of what happened because they faced, uh, Michael Bell faced up to 22 years in prison. And this is, keep it in mind, this is over a school fight because some of the black students wanted to sit under a tree that previously only the white athletes were sitting under. So this kind of thing's happened in the 2007. The interesting wow. update is that uh, after more than 60,000 signatures have been collected all over the country from all sorts of people, black, white, uh, different religious backgrounds, all kinds of people uh, to be uh, presented to the governor on the 20th, the state appeals court tossed out the aggravated battery conviction of Michael Bell just a few days ago, stating that he shouldn't have been tried and convicted as an adult for his role or alleged role in last year's fight mm. with, a, with a white high school classmate in Jenna, Louisiana. So what that means is uh, it's it's been vacated, so... You don't have to worry about him being sentenced to 22 years. However, Attorney Reed Walters could still bring charges as, as a juvenile, and the other five kids are still awaiting uh, their trial. So 
we're um, uh, there are people who are going down from mm-hmm. all over the country on Thursday for a march in Jenner, Louisiana. Now you'll be going to that, right? And now? I'm actually I'm going to get on the bus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to a couple of people and see if we can record some voices so that people can get an update here, radio by George. And it's going to be something else. It's a town of 3,500 people that may see tens of thousands of people down there to make a statement that we want some fairness and equity in America. You would think, man, after so many years, especially with the civil rights movement, that we would move forward, that we wouldn't have these issues that we're having today. It's like Jim Crow is still resonating in our in our society today, that mentality. Yeah, it, And it's, it's, it's a shame because it's, it's like, wow, man, how, when, will we, when will we ever advance? And that's, you know, black, white, and alike. I mean, it's, it's, still, it's still very strong in our, in our society. It, it's very strong. And two issues come out of this for me that resonate really deeply. One, the, the unfairness of the trial. I mean, it's, it's very clear that Michael Bell did not receive a good trial. He had a court-appointed attorney. And he was convicted by an all-white jury, 17 years old. Mm. His his court-appointed defense attorney called absolutely no witnesses forever, uh, whatsoever. And people said that it said people were saying he wasn't even there in in the in the melee. So this is this is an example of something that's of course heinous, but it's also kind of strange to think that in 2007 right. there would be a tree where only white students sit under. And if a black student sits under the tree, which is the case here, then something like what happened happened, and that is coming in the next day and seeing three nooses in school colors hanging from the tree. Right. Where did they learn that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's, that's insane to me. They were born, what, in, in 1980? 1990. Right. 1990 and, and up. 19, 17 years old, you know, 1990-91-92. And you uh, loose over a tree, and, and that's something that when I grew up in the seventies or six or sixties, seventies and eighties, we saw that stuff in, in, in textbooks, you know, watching programs uh, about Amer- African American history and American history, and they're they're still having this mentality. I mean, this is a it's a learned behavior. It's it's passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And how do we? I guess my question is, how do we ever get to just just to end? Will it ever end this mentality that we have? Yeah, and you think the thing the thing that strikes me odd about this is it's exactly as you said, Eddie. It's a learned behavior because if you look at kids these days, especially with the infusion of hip hop and popular right. culture, they're so much closer than kids in the '60s and '70s and even the '80s, which was the beginning of it. But now. All of the kids, the white kids are listening to hip-hop. I mean, Mm -hmm. the kids tend to get along a lot better than the adults. So where did we get this throwback to the 1960s and 50s and 40s mentality amongst the group of kids who usually, we would think in this generation, don't think of race as a factor anymore? Uh, Race is very much a factor. I mean, it's it's that that pink elephant that sits in the middle of the room that no one wants to talk about. Mm. But it's just not in a Genesis situation. It's it's everywhere you look right nowadays. You know, uh Tom Jackson made a great point yesterday. I don't know if you caught this on um uh the morning countdown on ESPN mm-hmm. and he said in reference to uh the Bill Belichick situation if Tony Dungy oh wow had uh 
been cheating on the sidelines? Would he, would they in fact question his integrity, his beliefs in, 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 as, as a Christian? Uh, go through his his novel and dissect it uh, piece by piece, ridiculing him and tearing him down. And it, it kind of makes you wonder. Yeah, you don't want to bring the race card into this, but you know Belichick, who was with the New, who is with the New England Patriots and won multiple Super Bowls, it was a slap on the hand. Well, che- cheating is cheating, and right. if you look at the Genesis case, or if you look at the case of the uh, woman that's still developing now, the the black woman in West Virginia who was uh, kidnapped by six uh, whites, white uh, adults, and raped and made to eat dog feces, and all of those, they're still weighing whether they can. And the use use of the N word, they're still weighing whether they should uh, try it as a hate crime. Simply because she knew one of the people who was involved in the kidnapping, so you still have these societal markers that show you that things might be different. So yes, if this was Tony Dungy, uh, who got caught in that same situation, you know he might be lucky to find a job coaching at a middle school. Yeah. So the, it's it's very well cheating is cheating, and and Goodell sends out a message that they want a certain image for the NFL. Guess what? Cheating is as bad as robbing and stealing. There's no sin that's greater than the other. That's right. So if you're going to punish the players for for that kind of thing, I agree with you, Which and it's a strong sentiment. You have to send a message that you're being fair. If not, you open the door for the for the race car to appear. Well, thanks for the update, Jeff. Good luck down in Jenna, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I have a very special guest that's coming on today, and you'll have a chance to call and talk to him. He is, and speaking of... Cheating, we'll get into that about his book when we come back in a minute, y'all. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. 
Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. Welcome back, everybody. Moving right along into our program. You just heard from Jeff Carr. We were talking about cheating and our society, the, the ethics that go along with basically doing the right thing and staying within the rules. Uh, clearly, there's need, something needs to be done about, about these situations, especially in Jenna, just trying to find some justice. And uh, we just wish him well down there. Moving right along, I'd like to introduce our guest of the day. And some might say that he cheated, but I, li- I think it's brilliant. I think this story is compelling. It's poignant. It, um, I had a chance to read some of it, not all of it, but it was a very good book. Um, Michael Aponte, he has secretly been an American pop icon for nearly a decade. In the 1990s, he and a handful of other Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, students got together and formed a group and basically went out to casinos and won millions of dollars. This group was managed by Michael, and they became known as the MIT Blackjack Club. Their incredible story was on TV, and it's also was a New York Times bestseller, Bringing Down the House. I would like to bring on Radio by George, Michael Aponte. Michael. Hey, Eddie. Thanks for having me on today. Hey, man. Appreciate you coming on, man. Not a problem. How's everything going? Oh, everything's going great. I'm actually in Vegas right now. Oh, for... <laughs> really? Are yeah, you allowed at the casinos? Uh, no. Unfortunately, uh, no business at the blackjack tables. I'm not allowed to play, so... Man, bro, I have to tell you, I I was reading this book yesterday, and it had me on the edge of my seat because the the gall. I mean, how did all this come about? I mean, you 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 were play, you played originally played football in MIT, correct? Um, yeah, I played football. Of course, that wasn't uh, you know professional athletics. I knew would would be my future. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, it just all started when, um, you know, card counting has been around since the 60s. That's when a a professor at MIT kind of devised and formulated the system. Um, But, yeah, there was just a group of us, a group that started at MIT, and they they tried to make a business out of it. And a good friend of mine recruited me, and and then once I got pulled in, I was completely hooked. And it just kind of took off and, and blew up from there. 
Now, you mentioned in the book that, that you had to have a certain look. Now, what kind of look do you have to have? With, I mean, cause in my, I mean, to count cards, to count cards, is that something that the, the, the normal person like myself, can I do that? Yeah, I think that's one of the big misconceptions about card counting is that you have to be like Rain Man or have a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. But actually, the, the math involved is much simpler than that. The only math involved is middle school math, just adding and subtracting and doing some multiplying, dividing. So it's the, the math you learned in middle school. And it's just like any other skill. It's just a matter of um, learning learning it the right way and then putting in the time to get good at it. Because anything seems kind of hard at first when, when you're first trying to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Wow, I mean, it's just amazing because for me, I tried blackjack in Vegas and I can't stand the game because I'm trying to count the card, you know, add up the numbers to see if it's 21 or 12 or what I should do. But to actually count cards, that's that would be very difficult for me to do. So what was what was the, the impetus behind you finally joining this club? And what do you consider it illegal? Do you consider it cheating? Where does that lie as far as the, your integrity? Where did that lie with you when you did this, when you went to every casino? Well, actually, card counting is completely legal. Um, mm. If you think about it, we do the same thing that all the top poker players do. Um, all we're doing is, is looking at the cards, which, you know, this is information that's available to all the other players. Mm-hmm. And we just use that information to play, to play smartly. You know, just like poker players do. The big difference is that the reason casinos don't like it in poker, you win money from other players. With card counting, you win money from from the casinos. So, from a business point of view, you know, that's obviously not good for them. But from a, a legal point of view, it's completely legal. You can't get in trouble. But in Las Vegas, um, they casinos do reserve the right to ask you not to play. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go to jail. You can't have a a criminal record for card counting because making card counting illegal would be the same thing as making thinking. Right. right. But you guys yeah. put a, you guys put a team together. Now, what did you, where did you fit in? There were, I guess there were three categories. There was the gorilla. Uh, there was the uh, um, what else was it? it was the gorilla the, the big the big money player? And it was yeah, the we beginner, started right? off with kind of two roles on the team. There was the big player, which is kind of the role I played on the team, and um, then we also had spotters. And so, for example, as a big player, I would go into the casino and play with two to three spotters, and the job of the spotters is they would just kind of blend into the crowd and watch the tables, Mm -hmm. and then when the count became favorable, they would signal me to come in, and then I would, would, you know, they would pass off the count to to me using a code word like for example we used for the number 11 we used football for mm-hmm. reasons and then I would take the count and then and just bet the big money you know kind of cash in on that advantageous situation so we so, had to so explain this to me how, now how would you when the table started getting hot what did that mean when, when the big cards started like the face cards started coming on or was it the low cards that let you know it was hot how did you know because you got now you have like three decks in, into one Correct. Well, card counting, card counting, you're not you're not memorizing every single card that comes out. All you're doing is keeping track of how many high cards versus low cards come out. Mm-hmm. I think all, all anyone who's played blackjack knows that 
the tens, face cards, and aces are really good for the player. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, they give you blackjack, and the dealer is a lot more likely to, you know, with a face card or a ten. And then the low cards, two through six, are good for the dealer because everybody knows the the pain of when the dealer has a sixteen and then pulls a five for twenty one. So, in a in a deck of cards or in a shoe of cards, there's an equal number of high cards and low cards. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen a lot of low cards, then it stands to reason that a lot of high cards are left, and then that means that's a good situation for the player. So but you're a right. Table. Basically, if the spotter has seen um, seen a lot more low cards than high cards come out, then that means that the remaining cards are more rich in the high cards, and then mm-hmm. that's a good time for the player to bet. Wow. Wow, I mean that's 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 amazing. That is absolutely amazing. But, but you played, you were you were one of the gorillas, correct? You would come in and just bet wildly. Um, well, it, it would it would it would appear wild to the casino because the nice thing about this strategy is that in addition to playing with the advantage, um, when we first started doing it, there's, the casinos would think there's no way this guy's counting cards because he just came up to the to the table right in the middle of it. You know, he wasn't there to begin with. Yeah. So for them it might seem like, you know, kind of a crazy, you know, high roller, but actually what I was doing and what our other big players were doing were betting um, proportional to our advantage based on the count. So mm-hmm. it was very systematic, but it appeared to the casinos as if it was, you know, a crazy gambler. Now how long... Did this last? Was it years? Was it months? How long did this this whole thing last? Actually, it lasted a good six years. Uh, oh. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> we we had it got, I mean, it got into the millions, right? Yeah, we won. You know, we we won. I'm comfortable saying we won this team over ten million dollars. Oh my gosh! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, played so. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did we did a little bit of, of damage. I mean, it, that is a, a lot of money, but actually, if you think about it, we never came close to actually bringing down a house because, as you know, you yeah. make billions of dollars. But yo, to a million doing that, I guess you go to MIT to learn how to cheat, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but that that is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. A six-year run now. Would you guys constantly recruit other people in, or was it always the same six people? No, we we started up. We did recruit people. It's it was we ran it very much like a business, and so in business, the key one of the keys is to find good people and train them the right way. So mm-hmm. we started off with about ten, and then we grew. At our peak, we had about twenty five people, and um, we were based in Boston, um, but we also ended up having a, a contingent. On the West Coast as well, you know, as we as we expanded. So as you, so you obviously you graduated from being a gorilla or a high roller to just being one of the business managers, and obviously you would have to get a certain percentage of what they won, correct? Um, in that, yeah, it was based on you could, as a member of the team, you could make money either um, from player compensation or as an investor because we. We had a set bankroll, um, you know, just like any business, we had all the investments, you know, recorded. And, you know, I, from the money that I um, earned as a player, I just kind of rolled that back over as an investor. 
So in the latter years, I you know I had a considerable investment you know in the team, and that's how you know I was compensated for being um, a team manager. Unbelievable, man. Well, that that that's I should have uh, <laughs> went to MIT <laughs> and learned, been, been a part of this blackjack club. Man, I would love <laughs> to have uh, done that and only been told to leave. I mean, that's 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 wonderful, man. But listen, we want to take a quick break. When we come back, we want to continue to talk to Michael Aponte and about his incredible story, how he brought the house down in Vegas. And also, uh, coming up, we want to get to the fabulous five questions with Aponte. And if you have any questions to ask Mike or myself, call in at 866-472-5787. And we'll be coming back in a minute, y'all. All we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. Welcome back to Radio by George. I'm on with card counter extraordinaire Michael Lafonte, who has a book out. One of the characters in the book, Bringing Down the House. If you don't have it, go get it. I strongly advise you to get it. A compelling story. Michael. Michael, are you on? I'm on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I mean, along with your incredible story, you obviously had to practice some of these skills. So what were some of the things? How did you practice the skill of, of card counting and, and coming up with the different characters of, of not being caught? 
um, in terms of the, the card sent. Well, there was kind of two important uh, aspects of kind of professional blackjack. Um, the first is so you have to you have to get good at the strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like first basic strategy, which is the correct way to play your hand versus the dealer's up card. You know, things like oh, what what do you do when you have a twelve and the dealer has a three? Mm-hmm. And then the next step is to get into the where you actually uh, keep track of the running count as the cards come out, and then um, learn how to bet according to that. So having those technical skills, you know. Are very important, but then what's also very important is you have to just kind of the non-technical aspect. You have to be able to fool the casino because as soon as the casino realizes that you have an advantage over them, you know they're going to take countermeasures against you. So, mm, like what? What kind of countermeasures? Well, in in Nevada, for example, they can just simply ask you not to play. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> they can't do anything to you. I mean, a lot of times they weren't necessarily nice when they asked me not to play, but uh, they, they do have that right since it's uh, private property. Um, and in Atlantic City, for example, they don't have that right, but what they do, they do things like they'll shuffle up on you, um, they'll put the cup card up higher, and these are things that kind of negate the game you know, for a card counter. Oh, okay, so if you move the card cut up higher, meaning that it's not in the in the middle, it makes it tougher to count. Yeah, well, actually, if the, yeah, if they move it into the middle, say three decks out of six, that's very bad for a card counter because a card counter's most of their advantageous advantageous situations occur near the end of the shoe. Um, mm-hmm. For example, if if, uh, if there's one deck left, only one deck left, then it doesn't take that high of a count for you to have the advantage mm-hmm. versus um, six decks left. But if the cut card's really far up, then you're never going to get to play with one deck left. Mm-hmm. That really hurts uh, the card counting game. So when you first began this, you're, you get in the club, you're, you're in the blackjack, blackjack club, you finally say, okay, this is something I want to do, and you go and do your first, I guess, spotting what was that experience like, and where was it? Well, I remember my first official trip for the team was I, I passed the big player checkout. We called it checkout, like the big player test. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember going to Atlantic City, and it was wow, it was a, it was a rude awakening. <laughs> I, I, I sat down, and within the first ten minutes, I lost ten thousand dollars. It just went like water. Oh. And, um, yeah, because with card, even when you count cards, as, as you know, having played black, blackjack's a really up and down game. It's yeah, really volatile. Um, so you you have some really big swings, and what a, a card counter needs to put in the hours to get to the long run to be certain that he's going to win. But yeah, I lost that ten thousand, and I was like, wow, this isn't how it went in practice or how it's supposed to go. Um, but, yeah, I stuck with it, and then by the end of uh, the weekend, I, I ended up winning $30,000. Oh, wow. Profit. So it, it, was, uh, it was an introduction to the, the ups and downs, as well as kind of the, the great fringe, fringe benefits. Because when I lost that $10,000, they had one of their executive casino hosts. He took me up to, like, the penthouse suite. Uh-huh. They had, like, a jacuzzi, a pool table. and Was there a like, super pool up there by any chance? Uh, I'm sorry? Was there, have... like, a stripper pole, like a pole where a stripper <laughs> can... No? 
No, no. Although it was interesting, he did offer us something along those lines, which uh, I was kind of okay. Surprised. Uh, <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> for, for the record, we we declined. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. But what happens in Vegas or AC stays in Vegas or AC. <laughs> Yeah, it's some crazy stuff that goes on, definitely. So what were your classmates thinking? Did they know? Was this like something that, that was that the people knew at MIT or around the Boston area that this was going on? No, most people didn't know. I mean, obviously it's a unique business, so we needed to try to keep it secret. Although some of my friends started, they became suspicious because you know how it is to be a poor college kid. Mm, yeah, like, Exactly. You know, eating out is like a huge deal. That's something you you don't do too often. But yeah, I started. You know, I'd start eating uh, at nicer places or and paying for friends, like having sushi and things like that. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, paying with hundred dollar bills, and they're like, wow. They, you know, they were just they didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I read where you were going through uh, through the airport, and you had money strapped to your body. Like like it was a like a like a bomb, or you were like trying to you know smuggling drugs or something, and I just could imagine how you felt when you know the the beeper went off, you left your cell phone in your pocket. Uh, did you almost did you ever get caught in the airport with money on you? No, I never did. We I, I mean obviously it was in our best interest to be <laughs> pat our pat ourselves down about three or four times to make sure we didn't set off that metal detector, but. But yeah, I think like anything, it became you do it enough, it becomes just kind of routine. I, I mean, I think the, the most ca- cash I ever carried on me at once was uh, three hundred thousand dollars. Oh, um, and that was after this one trip. It was a Super Bowl weekend in Vegas, and we won half a million dollars. So we have to bring all that money back, and I, I was just packed head to toe at, with cash. So what did you do with the money? Did you invest it? Did you save it? Did you spend it? Did you? Um, for for myself personally, yeah, I I, I didn't go I'd go crazy with it. I saved some, invested uh, some money as as well. So um, yeah, it was nice. It, it was uh, <laughs> it was fun fun deciding what to do. With it. <laughs> okay. Well, all right, Mike. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask you uh, some questions here about. Your, I mean, we got through the whole detail of you embracing this, this lifestyle and you card counting and having the love for it. Let's talk about the lifestyle that it provided for you. Okay. Who, which famous people did you hang out with? Did you have the chance to just cool out with or any female superstars you hooked up with during this time period? Yeah, okay, I heard a laugh now. Okay, <laughs> now, now we're getting to the meat of the conversation. Now, this is what I like. This is what I'm looking forward to. Let's talk about the stories. Yeah, I mean, we would, it, it was pretty. It, I need names, Mike. Mike, I need names. I don't, I don't want to get, well, I was this young actress. Now, I want, was it Pamela Anderson? Was it Britney Spears? I mean, who? Give me names, bro. Well, I don't know about on the female side, but if I, if that's gonna, I don't know if you'd be wise for uh, for me to dis- disclose that with my wife listening. But uh, okay, <laughs> I mean, it was one of the one of the most fun one of the most fun experiences was the, and I don't know if you ever had the opportunity was going to the Mike Tyson fights. Oh, when Mike when Mike was in his prime. 
Yeah, those things Ooh, yeah. were spectacles. And so, yeah, it, I, you would sit down and play with, you know, you could be playing with, uh, you'd play with pro athletes and celebrities all the time. Like, I remember Larry Holmes getting upset at me because he didn't like the way I was playing my hand. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so, so were you in the midst of doing one of your, uh, Child counting schemes and and he was sitting right there. Oh yeah, yeah. We we would we'd always there would always be um, we we call, we term them civilians. You know, civilians playing at the table as we played as well. Um, you know, of course they're completely unaware that that we're counting cards. But I, I surrendered one of my hands, mm-hmm. uh, sixteen versus a ten, and he, and he didn't really like that very much. Oh god! Uh, but so what uh, did you do? I mean, what, was he was he ready to fight? <laughs> well, he said something like, uh, "Oh, you," because he lost his hand. He's like, "Oh, you owe me money," and uh, I, I just kind of smiled. I thought about saying, "Well, you owe me money for uh, when, oh. I bet on, <laughs> when I bet on you back in the '80s," but I decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> wise man, <laughs> that is a wise man. Yeah, but, but actually, one of one of the guys I uh, the guy I enjoyed meeting most was I, I had the opportunity to meet Walter Payton, mm. um, and. You know, just actually it was a few years before, you know, he passed away, but he, what really impressed me about him, he was just such a genuinely nice, just a great person. Mm-hmm. And a nice guy. So, um, you know, in general, I don't get, we didn't get overwhelmed with the whole celebrity aspect because we were there on, for, um, for business. It was our profession, but he was one, one person that, that I really enjoyed meeting. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that's incredible. So, did you ever hang out with Michael Jordan? No, I haven't. Never, never caught him. Mike is usually at the blackjack tables. Yeah, that's that's what I hear. But I think he plays. I think he he he's uh, pretty discreet. I think I get the impression he probably plays private games, you know, by himself. You know, he certainly would never play. I don't think out on the floor and in, in view of the of, of the public. Um, but uh, yeah, from what I hear, he could maybe use a little bit of. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think Charles Barkley especially could probably use a little bit of uh, blackjack instruction. Um, dude, they tell they could now. You could have taught them because I know that I've heard Charles. Well, Charles said this publicly that he lost ten million dollars, ten million dollars at the blackjack blackjack table. That to me, I, I don't I don't play blackjack. I can't care less. I like playing poker. Because I think I like my odds better as I'm betting on myself that I can, you know, bluff somebody into throwing their hand in, mm-hmm. you know, if I get caught. But I, I believe that, uh, you know, you lose that type of money, man. Golly, I mean, for them, that's that's like a punch in, a, in the ocean, you know. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that because actually, um, you know, since I'm not able to play, or and actually the, my former teammates, we can't play anymore, we're persona non grata. A former teammate and I, we started a company called the Blackjack Institute. Mm-hmm. And we actually, yeah, we offer an array of products and services where we teach people how to play, um, including private training. So we, we've actually done private trainings for high rollers who've, you know, lost a lot of money. Really? And, um, yeah, we, so we, yeah, we take the same training system that we used and, you know, our goal is to teach people how to win because you know, gambling is incredibly popular, and, and yeah. blackjack. You know, poker gets a lot of the high uh, headlines. You know, deservedly so. But if you go to any casino, blackjack is by far the most popular table game. Okay. Um, 
But we're going to yep. talk more about the Blackjack Institute. And if you're interested, anybody out there, and how to get hooked up and play some blackjack, some serious blackjack, and break the tables, give us a call at 866-472-5787. And we'll take a quick break, and we'll talk some more with Michael Ponte and his story and get into who else that he hung out with that was famous in a minute, y'all. The experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 and ask our all-star team to answer your questions that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com everything you want everything you want to do and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips people think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult guess what it doesn't all you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. Welcome back to Radio by George. I'm joined with the incredible Michael Aponte, the man who took down Vegas for millions, never got caught. Mike, you there with me, bro? I'm here. Hey, now, apparently, we met before, correct? We, yeah, we did, actually. We met very briefly. Uh, I think it was back in uh, July. I, I introduced myself you, I think we were both flying that red eye from Vegas to Washington National. Oh yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, I introduced myself very, uh, very quickly. But then you had some other fans that wanted your autograph, so I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to keep. That you. was. Um, I was going in for for the the moms event, um, the NFL Mothers Association event. I was emceeing that night, and I I remember <laughs> that that was. Now, were you carrying some money on you? 
Um, a little bit, a little, a little bit. bit, not not three hundred thousand dollars. I was gonna beat you up <laughs> when you did. I was gonna take it from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not three hundred thousand. Just you know, just a little pocket change. <laughs> so, okay, I got you covered. Now, now that you're pretty much banned from every casino in the United States, what do you do now? Yeah, I know you have the Blackjack Institute, and what do you do there? And is there anything else that you're doing? That you, I assume that you graduated from MIT, right? No, actually, I didn't. Um, I, I got into the blackjack, and, and so the, the blackjack profession just kind of, uh, I just thought it was a, a great opportunity. And then due to some other personal circumstances, I chose uh, to make blackjack my full-time profession. So, hmm. I, yeah, I've never had, quote, unquote, a real job, which I feel very fortunate about. Um but now, yeah, even though I can't play blackjack, I'm still involved with, you know, started a company called the Blackjack Institute. Mm-hmm. We, you know, offer products and services that teach people how to play. And then we've also branched out to the entertainment we, entertainment industry. We've signed a deal for a, a television drama series based on our story. Really? And, and we're also um, developing um, a reality show with, uh, I'm sure you know him, Rodney Pete. Yeah, yeah. It's partnering with us um, for a reality show that, that we've been developing. And so, we, yeah, we're working on some pretty cool things. And in the movie, there's a uh, Kevin Spacey bought the movie rights to the book, and the movie entitled 21 is going to be coming out in March of next year. It's going to be start. Kevin oh, my gosh. I mean, that is uh, huge. Uh, you know, I was going to ask if there were the movie rights were already taken. Hopefully, I mean, I'm trying to be an actor, so... <laughs> Oh, I was hoping I can get a part in that movie. I thought I could probably play you, Mike, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I I think, uh, yeah, I think you're a little too big to play. (laughs) Yeah, a little too hollow, stick out like a sore thumb, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it should be interesting. The the movie's coming out in in March of next year. It's going to have Spacey, Lawrence Fishburne, um, Kate Bosworth, so... You know how Hollywood is. I'm sure it's not going to be. It'll be somewhat removed from reality, but hopefully it'll be entertaining. You know? Now, do you play blackjack with any of those any of the celebrities that, that that's doing the movie or that you've come in contact with now that you're that you've been exposed, so to speak? I have played with a few of them. Um, yeah, I'm not at liberty to. <laughs> I know. Just can't really say too much about it. Huh? Yeah. Well, I, I think they. Yeah, they want to. You know they want to give it a whirl at the uh, at the table, so I don't know if the casinos would be. <laughs> <sighs> Very interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I just know a few people, and I, I just hear stories of how they win all the time, and. Um, very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I'm not going to touch on it too much, but that's interesting. Now that I, I see the connection, which is good. Um, you know, I've never been a blackjack guy at all. And I don't think I ever will, but I will call the or get in touch with you through the Blackjack Institute. Now, that's a website I can go to, or is there a number I can call? Yeah, there's. Um, you can find us at yeah at blackjackinstitute.com. We we do have a website with which has our information, and um, yeah, there's actually a, a phone number there um, which you can if you want to yeah you can contact me on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Training. Now, in conjunction with your with your Blackjack Institute, you have a project discovery. What what is that all about? Oh, it's actually um, 
in um, after in 2000, you know, when I kind of unofficially retired from blackjack because I couldn't play anymore, I got involved in, in nonprofit work, and um, yeah, I ran an after-school program for um, kind of immigrant and minority students, and, and the whole goal of the program is is to kind of get these these unrepresented students um, to go on to college, you mm-hmm. know, and higher education. So, you know, I would focus on the SAT, um, help out with the homework and, and the college application process. So it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of a lot of um, bright kids who just need a little bit yeah. of guidance, and, you know, they can do a lot of great things. But well, one way they can make money is to count cards. <laughs> you teaching that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I never talk about the card uh, counting because I, I don't know if the school would be had. Although a number of them have seen me on TV, but the one thing I can say because sometimes you know kids will ask, uh, you know, with regard to math, like when when will how can I ever use this? So I can always say, well, hey, when you turn twenty one, yeah, yeah. you can use the math to. Uh, to make some money, <laughs> man. That's so cool to live a double life, man. That's that's incredible, man. Well, we're close, getting ready to close, Mike. And what I like to do with new guests, I like to think of myself as um, my man off of James Lipton on the the uh, Actor Studio. Ever watched that at all? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah I, I love that program. It's it's amazing, and I love the way he hosts and asks the questions. So. I like to ask open-ended questions that I just randomly pick, and it's just so people can get to know you a little bit better. And there are five questions. Are you ready for them? Okay. <laughs> or on what occasion do you lie? Oh, what occasions do I lie? Well, the first one popped, that popped into my mind was... <laughs> um, on the rare occasion when my wife asked me, "Do I look good in this?" and <laughs> I don't, and I, you know, I don't think it's necessary her best outfit. So I, I, th- I think uh, that's. I think a white lie is warranted in, in that situation. Okay, that's your answer. Uh, yep, that's my answer. What is your favorite occupation? Oh, my favorite occupation. Wow, that's uh well I, I would say my I mean I think having grown up uh playing sports all year round with my brother, my my dream occupation would have been to be like you, be a professional athlete. I mean that would yeah, I think that would even top uh being a professional card counter for me. I think I would like to have your job because you got paid. <laughs> <laughs> almost as much as I did but without the hits. But anyway, back to you. It's your, it's your time. Um, what is your greatest regret? My greatest regret? Hmm. Wow, these are tough questions. Um, you went to MIT, bro. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> My greatest regret? Well, I think one, one regret I had is maybe... You know, looking back on my professional blackjack career, you know, not having a little bit more fun, you know. And, uh, you know, it was a business, but I think I probably could have stopped and smelled the roses a little bit and really took in the experience, you know, to to a greater degree. Okay. Who were your favorite writers? Wow. 
favorite writers. I mean, well, one of my favorite contemporary writers is uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. He's the author of uh, The Tipping Point. And um, I think one of my favorite, another favorite all-time writers is uh, Ernest Hemingway. Last question, and you're off the hot seat. What is it that you most dislike? I mean, that one's an easy one. I, I mean, the thing I most dislike is um, intolerance and closed-mindedness. That's far and away <laughs> number one. Well, great, man. Uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on today. Unfortunately, this is the last of uh, the hour. Michael, I appreciate everything. Great story, compelling story, and I look forward to, to the movie and see your character, man. You're a great guy, and I wish your, your wife well and your family. And uh, same hour, same place next week, everybody. Call in. And don't forget about the EGX essays so I can come work you guys out. Until next time, you guys have a blessed one. I'm Eddie George, and I'm out. Peace. We hope you have enjoyed this week's episode of Radio by George. If you have a question or comment for Eddie and just can't wait until next Monday, you can email him at info at radiobygeorge.com. Selected emails will be read on the air so your voice can be heard worldwide. Be sure to listen live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. See you next week.